Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 147 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we're doing some educating, and we're talking about what happens when you stay on a rapid charger when it's gone past 80% state of charge. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap, the free-to-download app that helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Before we start, I wanted to thank everyone who provided thoughts, comments, and poll input that helped inform today's discussion. The original tweet I posted was one of the most commented on ones I've ever had. Uh, Thank you very much for that. On the show today, we'll be covering a topic that's been around since electric vehicles with lithium-ion batteries were first created. But it's becoming more and more of an issue now that EV usage has increased so much. Should you charge past 80% on a public charger? This all started because of a tweet I posted. In it, I showed a charge screen. The charge screen was for a um, reasonably small batteried electric vehicle. The battery was at 94%, it was pulling 13 kilowatts, and it had been there nearly three quarters of an hour. And I laid out these facts along with the statement that there were 11 kilowatt chargers at a cheaper rate nearby, and asked people to discuss this. And discuss it, they did. There were any number of comments talking about the fact that the infrastructure wasn't good enough, and the fact that there weren't enough chargers there just wasn't the driver's fault. But very few people actually picked up on the main issue I deliberately avoided pointing out. If there's an 11 kilowatt charger nearby, why wouldn't you use that to go to 100%? Let's start with a little backstory for those who are new to the channel or new to an electric vehicle. Each EV has a battery and each battery has a charge curve. This is an indication of how fast the battery will charge at any given state of charge. For the majority of batteries on the road today, once they hit a figure in the region of 80% state of charge, the onboard battery management system slows down the charge curve to a very slow speed. And this is to protect the battery from damage and allow it to cool down. In reality, charging the battery from 80% to 100% can take as long as charging it from 0 to 80%. And just as a side note, anytime I mention 80% on this episode, I don't mean a strict 80%. I mean a point in the charging process where the BMS throttles the charging to protect the battery. It might be 75%, it might be 80, it might be 85%, it might even be 90%. But for convenience sake, I'll refer to it as 80%. So if I say 80%, that's what I mean. So this means that if you're on a charger and someone's waiting, They can be waiting a long time for you if you want to fill all the way up to 100%. As you get closer to fully charged, the charge speed can drop down until it's actually better to do one or two things. If you're short on time, it's quicker to unplug the car and continue driving, stopping later for a quick volt and bolt when your stated charge is lower and the charge speed will be higher. Or it's quicker to drop off the rapid charge and find a nearby AC charger. The AC charge will give you the same speed as the rapid will at a higher state of charge. And as a bonus, you'll free up the rapid for someone else to use. Apparently, though, there are a number of people out there who don't know this. And that's fine. 
Education is incumbent on every one of us to those who are new to EVs. But there are people out there who have the attitude of, well, it's none of your business what state of charge I'm at or what I'm going to. Of course, yeah, that's also correct. But comments like that don't help general understanding of the situation and what's best. It's a little bit like saying, well, where I'm taking my holiday is of no concern to you. Again, also right. But if you're traveling four or five times a year to Spain, to your holiday home there, on a heavy carbon intensive flight, there's a bigger picture here that you're not seeing. So I ran a Twitter poll, unscientific and not representative, which asked drivers in small battery cars, 30 kilowatt hour or lower, or large battery cars, higher than 30 kilowatt hours, if when they charge on a public rapid charger, do they generally stop at 80% or go higher? The results were very interesting. Of the people who responded, 179 said they drove cars with batteries 30 kilowatt hours or higher. Of those 179, 39 of them, 22%, said that they would generally fill past 80%. So this is in cars with a range of anything up to 300 miles. Over one in five of these drivers are staying past 80% on a rapid charger generally. Of the 30 respondents in cars with batteries lower than 30 kilowatt hours, approximately 40% said that they charged over 80, which is understandable. And we'll talk about why that is a little later. So interesting figures. Of course, what we didn't ask or what I didn't ask is whether they charged to 100% or how far they charged past 80%. But it's interesting to see the relative number of people with longer range batteries who generally charge past 80% on a rapid unit. Now, remember, the issue here isn't that someone wishes to charge their car to 100% on public charging. The issue is that they want to do this on a unit which isn't designed to do that. In fact, there are cars out there that won't let you charge to 100% on a rapid charger. My old Kia Soul was designed to disconnect when the state of charge reached 93% if it was charging on DC. If I wanted a higher charge, I'd have to go to an AC charger, and that was to protect the battery. So what can we do about this? Well, of course, the comments on the post had any number of suggestions for how we might solve this issue. Uh, these range from uh, putting a warning in the charger that your charge speed was low and you should disconnect, to punitive tariffs for people above 80% on a rapid, to units that won't physically charge if the charge speed drops to, say, 10 kilowatts. All good suggestions, but none of them ideal. I've said before on this podcast that I'd like what I'd like to see is something along the lines of the Tesla methodology. If the superchargers are busy, Tesla will limit the amount of charge you can add to a vehicle, usually to 80%, and then charge you an overstay fee if you don't disconnect within a certain time period. And this is well understood by Tesla drivers and complaints are few and far between. So why can't we do this with other charge networks? I know through speaking to charge point operators and charger manufacturers that they can add this functionality into the chargers. Make the default for any session a set figure. It might be 80%, it might be 85%, it might be 15 kilowatts. The, the actual figure can be determined by each CPO. At that point, the charger cuts off. If you need to go to 100%, then you have a choice. You can either go and restart your charge to continue receiving power, if you're working on a percentage base, 
Or you can disconnect and go to an AC charger to complete your charge if you're working on a power basis. And what happens is that this allows drivers of smaller battery cars, such as the 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf, to maximize their percentage on the charger while still encouraging people with a larger battery to move to AC chargers. Now, I've seen some people suggesting that pricing can be a way of doing this. If you wish to charge to a higher state of charge than our notional 80%, then the tariff increases for the power which is dispensed after that. There is some validity in using this as a nudge to influence behavior, but the issue is that you end up penalizing those same Nissan Leaf drivers who need maximum range to get to the next charger, especially in some of those charging wastelands like Lincolnshire, Cambridge, or Central Wales. But let's go back and ask ourselves why people feel the need to fill their battery to 100% at a rapid charger. I believe there can only be three reasons. Firstly, they don't know that the charge speed slows dramatically after about 80%. In other words, they're lacking knowledge, and we'll call this the education scenario. Secondly, they absolutely need the maximum range from the car to get to the next stop. We'll call this the 24 kilowatt hour leaf scenario. Thirdly, they know about the long charge times. They don't need the extra range, but they feel entitled to charge to 100% because they're on the charger already. We'll call this the selfish scenario. And, and yes, if you've been given a free charge by some strange coincidence and still feel entitled to stay on the charger to 100% to take advantage of the free charge, it's still the selfish scenario. But let's not make the situation totally black and white. If you're at a location that has available chargers and they're all working and there's no queue and you stay with your vehicle at all times and you move if someone needs the charger, then sure, charge to whatever percentage you want on the rapid. If you're happy to wait, there's no harm in that. But for anyone who's ever been to the BP Pulse hub in Hammersmith, and seeing taxis sitting there waiting to get to 100% and blocking all five chargers, you'll understand how frustrating this can be when they go into selfish mode. The same for DPD drivers on the various networks that they use. Of course, the taxi drivers will all cry out about how they need to go to 100% because they drive long distances in a day and they can't afford to keep stopping to charge up. Well, it, if that's your excuse and you don't understand that stopping twice for a shorter length of time instead of once and waiting for it to uh, waiting for it to hit 100% is quicker then i don't think you're really understanding how charging works that's the education scenario in action but the underlying issue around all of this is one that was encapsulated by a comment or by original tweet by Ginny Buckley from electrifying.com and she said we shouldn't have to discuss this I didn't have to discuss the politics slash etiquette slash challenges of filling up with fuel when I drove internal combustion engines. The mainstream car buyers who will be going electric next won't want to discuss or worry about it. And of course, she's absolutely right. But as a counterpoint, there is an etiquette for using a petrol pump. You don't park there and not charge. You choose a lane and stick with it. You pump, pay and go. You don't park so poorly that it stops somebody using an adjacent pump. If ever you try and bypass this etiquette, as people tried to do in the fuel shortages last year, you'll find that there's an outcry about, about it. Now, this etiquette is groupthink. It's distilled from literally 100 years of fueling cars at petrol stations. 
Even then, things changed. When I was young, I was an attendant at a petrol station. When people came in, I would go out, fill the car, check their oil, take their money from them. And then we brought in self-service units and people had to be educated on how to do it themselves. They had to learn and they needed the knowledge to do it right. And if you think education was easy and everybody learned with no problem, just Google petrol station incidents on YouTube and you'll see examples of people who don't know which side their petrol cap is on, can't stop pumps from spilling fuel all over the floor, or drive off with a hose still attached to their car, damaging the pump and causing fires. Even if you know all about this, there are still examples where things can be different. The first time I went to the United States and hired a car, I stopped at a gas station for fuel, could not get the pumps to start. Despite it being similar to any pump I might have had in England, it was only when I stopped to read the small print on the instructions that I realised that this was a gas station where you had to prepay, pay in advance. Once they had your money, you could pump the fuel, not before. And don't talk to me either about how easy it is for people to use the wrong fuel in the car. According to government statistics, it happens 150,000 times a year in the UK. That's one in 300 cars. So don't tell me it's a simple thing and people don't need educating. There are subtleties and differences. And one way to be aware of this is to ensure that people understand what the differences are. It's like regenerative braking. This is something that doesn't exist in internal combustion engine cars. So drivers of an EV need to be told about how it works and what it does. It's not complicated. And in most cases, it makes driving a much more pleasurable experience as well as increasing range. We're moving to a completely different scenario when it comes to powering your car. Don't you think we need to make sure people are educated on how to do it? So let's go back and look at a few possibilities to try and eliminate or reduce slow charging on rapid chargers. And remember, at no point are we saying drivers can't charge to 100% on public charging. What we're saying is that if they need more than a notional 80% and they're in a bigger battery car, the rest should be on AC charging. One suggestion is to increase the tariffs for charging above 80%. Uh, that works for everyone except the 24 kilowatt hour leaf scenario. You're penalizing them for being an early adopter and getting a vehicle with a lower uh, range and a smaller battery. One suggestion is to just stop the charge at 80% and force people to start it again if they wish to continue. That's my preferred solution. Now this works for everybody, it educates, it doesn't financially penalise anyone, and it avoids the 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leafs scenario. But in the selfish scenario, it just means someone's going to override that and continue just for the hell of it. So let's make this a time-based thing. If we work on two assumptions, one, you will only need 100% if you have a smaller battery, say 30 kilowatt hours or lower. And two, if you have a smaller battery, you'll generally charge quicker, even if you're leaving it to 100%. A 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf will take a maximum of one hour to charge on a 50 kilowatt charger if going from naught to 100%. So why not allow cars a maximum of one hour or 80%, whichever is longer, on a charger, after which the tariff increases steeply to encourage onward movement? This solves the 24 kilowatt hour leaf scenario. It also allows vehicles with huge batteries to charge to 100% in 
if they want, but it penalises them financially for doing so. The alternative to this, which would work in certain locations, is to stop the rapid charge when it gets to a low charge speed, such as 10 or 15 kilowatts. That applies for all drivers. And if they want to top up after that, they have to move to the AC charges to finish. Of course, the issue with this is that not all locations have associated AC chargers. I'm looking at you, Instavolt. And there are also locations where the AC and the DC are on the same unit, so it doesn't solve the problem of people blocking charges to get to 100%. I'm looking at you, BP Pulse, Osprey, and Chibi Point. Furthermore, some car onboard chargers top out at 3.6 or 7 kilowatts, so moving to AC will effectively drop their already slow charge rate even further down. So stepping back and looking at all the possible scenarios, it seems that we have a couple of options available, none of which is suitable for all cars. It's a combination of time-based penalties and or power-based penalties. In either situation, you're going to find someone who's unhappy. Which brings it all back to education and finding some way of ensuring those in the selfish scenario are penalised if they're found to be repeat offenders. Incidentally, one comment on the original tweet was along the lines of, none of your business what percentage you charge is up to. So I checked this particular individual's Twitter timeline and, big surprise, there was a photo that that person had posted of themselves charging up to 100% on a rapid charger. So it seems that what they were actually saying is, I do that too and I don't want to be called out on it. Ultimately, of course, the issue of blocking charges becomes moot if we have sufficient working infrastructure to not worry about this happening. But as we discussed with various charge point operators, if you want the big hubs with numerous high-speed units, there is a cost associated with this. And that cost may come in the form of higher charging tariffs. Until it does, we need to make sure people are aware of the 80% threshold and try to be less of a selfish charger and more of a considerate one. Although I suspect this issue is going to run and run. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. A Swedish company wants to transform offshore wind with vertical axis turbines. Conventional wind turbines have a long pole that stick, sticks upwards and the blade hangs off that, forming a circle that's perpendicular to the ground and parallel with that support tower. These turbines have to be situated a set distance apart to ensure turbulence from one turbine doesn't affect the airflow over an adjacent one. A new design though is turning this on its side, literally. A Swedish energy company called Seatwirl is one of several companies developing vertical axis wind turbines, and one of just a couple developing them for offshore use. Vertical axis turbines use the long upright pole as the point around which the turbine rotates. This means they can be lower than other turbines, smaller than other turbines, and since their rotation doesn't take up as much space as that of horizontal axis turbines, nor create as much of a blocking effect on downwind turbines, they can be placed closer together, generating more electricity in a given footprint. A pilot version called S1 has a turbine with a generating capacity of 30 kilowatts. Later models will scale, possibly, to turbines in the 6 to 10 megawatt hour range by 2025. It'll be interesting to see if they can commercialise these. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, 
and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use, with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusing.gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingTV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The links in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings. That's ko-fi.com slash evmusings. And you can do just that. It's Apple Pay too. I have a couple of ebooks out there if you want to read something on your Kindle. So, you've got Electric is available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. So, you've got Renewable is also available on Amazon for the same 99 pence, and it covers installing solar panels, a storage battery, and a heat pump. Why not check them both out? Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably five stars, as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines.